All right, bet. All right, I'm gonna end the podcast right now. Okay. We're right at two hours. I'm gonna end it right now, and then uh, yeah, I'll save it. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So next week we're not recording. No. Okay. Unless I do it remotely, that's gonna be hard. We should probably mention that. Probably not. not I mean, I may, I, I may be able to do it. I'm gonna be in Croatia. Okay, well, and then see. if I got Wi Fi, then I'll do it. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Peace. All right, yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to First and Fifteenth, where our motto here is got to get ready if you stay ready. This is your host, Abid Batoba, a.k.a. A.B., a.k.a. Skywalker 2000 on Twitter. My partner in crime and co-host, Dr. Dayo Adesay, a.k.a. I, Doc Newt. That's I with the exclamation point because he is extremely extra. You can find him on Twitter at underscore underscore Dayo. That's underscore underscore D-A-Y-O. As you guys can hear and or see tonight, we are a man down. Our esteemed co-host, our producer, the man yeah. who puts this all together is missing in action. But for very, very good reasons. And for those reasons, we will mm-hmm. discuss at a later date and time. So we don't want to waste yeah, too much sir. time. Let's get right into the action. Today is June yeah. 24th, 10.30 p.m. at yep, night. Yep. All right. Let's get it. Let's late, go. Late. All right. Let's get into the recent news and notes of the week. Dr. Dale yep. Alice, please, what's with the recent news? Yeah, so we have um, the Steelers. They released their offensive line today, David DeCastro. You know, one Relevant. of the better offensive linemen. Relevant. Okay. Relevant. Okay. A.B., they... um. He he had his focus reduced by like a year. Somewhat relevant. Yeah. Um, they made this new rule in the NFL where teams are going to actually be able to use like two different helmets next year. So oh, we lost like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> teams going to have like a full kind of throwback uniform, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So Extremely um, relevant. We need to do a deep dive. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Laquan Treadwell, he was signed by the Jaguars. I don't even know if you care about that, but okay. Two different surgeries that um, one is significant specifically for us, and one is significant to the fantasy community. Marcus Cannon for the Texans. Um, he had a, a knee procedure, I believe, uh, and then Rashad uh, and then Rashad Penny. Yeah. I think they said he cleaned up his knee um, from his bad ACL surgery, so uh, I think relevant. that's why he wasn't able to practice in OTA or whatnot. Uh, Saquon Barkley. This is something that we put in our group chat. You know, when we saw that Instagram post. Uh, oh. Basically, he was he was kind of training everything, cutting everything, doing receiver drills. There was one part where he actually was doing drills in the stand. So extremely relevant. Yes, and then and then one more. Uh, Xavier Howard, the cornerback for the Dolphins. It looks like he's actually gonna hold out. He's actually won some money. One of the few players that. That are going to hold out. I, I believe yeah. the Seahawks players are too are also talking about it. So yeah, no relevant, relevant. Uh, so I mean, just to cover and go in depth on a few items of what you just uh, laid out, the the Castro news I think is relevant 
only from a standpoint I want to see what this does to Najee Harris's ADP because I want to see how the fantasy community is going to react. I think as we talked about in the group chat, this is something that we expected. Uh, we've heard plenty of talk from some of the Pittsburgh Steelers beat writers that he was just not healthy. Uh, and so he's having ankle exactly. issues. Exactly. Yeah. So in essence for us, this was somewhat of an upgrade, although he's been a beast throughout his time with the Steelers. Uh, you know, for us, Given how they played last year, I think them losing to Castro is not something that is was unexpected for us. So is the fantasy community going to pile on and basically, again, highlight how bad the Steelers' O-line was last year, how many guys they lost this year? Or is this a situation for us to really take, again, a deeper dive, a closer look at who are the replacements, who are the guys coming in? Some new guys, now, incumbent starters. Go ahead. Now, real yeah. quick, with that point you yeah. just made right there, they did actually sign Trey Turner. Trey exactly. Turner was, exactly. He, was, he was with the Panthers, I believe, two or three years ago, and then they traded exactly. him to the Chargers, and the Chargers just yeah. let him go. So they actually replaced him with a cheaper option. I think they gave him like a $3 million contract. Exactly. No, they exactly. have a replacement. It's, and they spent some draft capital. You know, my, my view and my take with the Pittsburgh O-line is, you know, Yes, they're they're not going to be an elite group, but they were just so bad last year. And I think the you know fact that they've changed the offensive coordinator, they brought in Duke, right. who's apparently this O line guru. Uh, they're right. changing up the offense. You bring in Najee Harris. You have been another year removed from the elbow surgery. You have placed Chapel feeling more comfortable in the offense. You have Deontay another year in the offense. You're bringing back Jude. You're bringing back Eric Ebron. You drafted another tight end who can who who, who has skill not only in the receiving game and also uh, but also the blocking game. Uh, this may be one of those lines that outperforms what we see on paper. So for that reason, I think it's relevant. I actually don't see this necessarily as bad news. Uh, and if anything, I think I'm going to try to capitalize on any drop in ADP for uh, Najee Harris. Now, you also mentioned the Antonio Brown news. So the Antonio Brown news to me, I think, is very much relevant. When we started drafting very early on, right after the actual NFL draft, I think our main goal was to get as many shares of Antonio Brown as possible because he was going right. in the mid to late double-digit rounds. At that point, he was not signed with Tampa Bay, and he also had a bit of an injury issue and just had uh, a recent surgery. So I think a lot of people were scared off uh, a huge unknown. And we right. were very comfortable uh, and confident in the idea that he was going to resign and felt like this was a great time uh, to get him on the cheap. And of course, right. he ended up signing uh, as expected and anticipated. His ADP rose and now he's a fixture in the eighth round. So, eighth round. Yep. Yep. yeah. And I think it's still warranted. I think, you know, once he signed, we started to take a closer look at how he performed towards the end of last season. And I think we saw that it was more of a three headed monster as opposed to a one, a one B and a two. Right. There were certain weeks where he outperformed them all. Uh, and I think his, you know, 16 game pace would have put him at, you know, as a top uh, 36 wide receiver. So right. some guy that definitely that eight, eighth round ADP warrants. So this is only good news for him. I just think it gives us more confidence, but I don't necessarily know that it moves the needle on his ADP. ADP. I think he settle, settles in at the eighth round, which is where he's currently going right now. Right. As far as me, as far as AB is yeah. concerned, as 
started picking him up. I I do I do like him in the eighth round, just depending on certain builds. I kind of don't want him to be my starting wide receiver day one. Um, Agreed. I, I kind of want to use him as as receiver depth. Um, yeah. Not even a flex position from from day one. So it just kind of depends on my build. If, if you know, if I'm going running back heavy, I don't want to be the very first receiver I end up taking in the eighth round. So I definitely want to kind of be mindful of that. Yeah, and then obviously in many of the high stakes formats, including FFPC, we know the advantages of drafting Tampa Bay and Dallas Cowboys players. If you know, you know. <laughs> All right, we'll get, so, we'll get to that another time. You know. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get into that another time. Uh, yeah. So as far as uh, additional news, uh, I don't think the Treadwell signing is all that important to me. It's obviously a very crowded uh, backfield, a very crowded wide receiver room. That's going to be a I tough mean, one. To he's, not even, he's not even good anymore. Like, <laughs> I honestly thought, you know, obviously team they, in like, like four years. Him. Yeah. And, and I think they signed him for offseason depth. We all know that many of these rosters are going to get cut almost in half by the time. Uh, training camp in. So that we can go ahead and pass over. The new uniform and helmet rules, plus, plus, plus. I'm not going to get too much into that, but uh, this is going to make watching football Sunday that much better. 100%. What did Deion say? Deion Deion was like, if you look good, you play good. So what's going to be good? So hey, hopefully, one plays you good. Exactly. We may have to go through and rank these, uh, all the teams' retro helmets. Uh, because Bro, in essence, that may, that may adjust ADP and ranking just a tad hey, bit. Hey, hey. <laughs> Same level yeah, of strength. Sure. Rocket, <laughs> rocket ships up, shoot. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, Visor, exactly. single digit numbers, throwback jerseys. Hey. Exactly. Know. So, what was the last bit of news? What about these two got? surgeries? What about those two surgeries? One is the to the offensive lineman for the Texans, and one is for the backup running back for the Seahawks. So, let's get into Rashad Penny. I think that news is extremely relevant for me. I think we view this a little bit differently. Uh, for right. me, I'm concerned. Uh, he initially started off the drafting season for me as one of the handcuffs that I really wanted to try and get as many shares of as possible, given where he was going and given the offense that he was in. We know his history with injuries. We know he had a, a very devastating ACL injury complications right. along the way and it's been a struggle for him to get back on the field right this offseason surgery in light of the fact that he really has not played much since the end of last season is worrisome to me now i don't know the specifics of it so i don't want to necessarily drop him too low uh and full disclosure i did just draft him recently i think uh in the 11th round 11th 12th round but it does give me some pause you know it's one thing to draft a handcuff. It's another thing to draft an injured handcuff or one that maybe we can place the label on as injury prone. So this is a story right. that we need to follow very, very closely. We both love Chris Carson this year. Uh, and in many formats, knowing how violently Chris Carson runs and how often injured he is. And sometimes these are just knickknack injuries where he just misses one, one or two games. It's nice having right. that handcuff in an offense that you know is going to produce. And, when healthy, I think that Penny is a very athletic uh, and skilled running back that would do well in that right. offense. And we know how I feel about the Seattle offense this year. So, I mean, so so for me, you, you kind of made a few of the 
points that I would make to, for why actually I'm still on him. Um, one of the, the first reasons is he's still being drafted so late. We're not talking about somebody you're drafting to potentially put in your starting lineup. Um, even before when he w- we were still getting good news about the practicing, we weren't drafting him to make him our day one starter. We were literally drafting him to kind of handcuff Chris Carson and kind of get a piece of that offense. Um, and I, I think for me personally, I was trying to sell, you know, everybody on him just the fact that, you know, he still has that great pedigree. He's a first-round draft pick running back. He was just drafted right. two, three years ago, so he's still young. Um, the, the, the Seahawks didn't really bring any major competition in there to, to back up Carson. So for me, it's almost like they had a feel, a feel of comfort in Penny. Like, you know, even though he's had these issues, they still feel good enough going into the season with Penny being the backup. Now, keep in mind, Carson himself is not, you know, known to be very healthy. He always tends to miss, you know, a game or two or, or whatnot due to injury. So that was kind of showing to me that Penny actually – you know, was maybe coming back right. I think I read some articles where Carson was saying he felt that him and Penny was the best Russian duo in the in the league. You know, I mean, you know, it's, you know, a little bit of hyperbole, but just the fact that he felt confident speaking of Penny yeah. like that. Um, and again, with this news, it, it, for me, it's actually a good thing because what does that mean? That means people might kind of sleep on him a little bit. He'll drop drop mm-hmm. even further. And one point that you did make, and we can kind of move on after this, is you said that. You know, he might miss a day, I mean, a game or two or three or four. For me, even if he missed five, six games, if he comes back near the back end of the season and he has fresh legs and say he happens to get, maybe something happens to Carson, he has, happens to get that role, that could be a league winner. You know, that that could be somebody that can actually win games in the playoffs yeah. and you end up utilizing in the tournament. So, and no, again, the talent is there, you know, so. Those are those are all great facts. Those are all great points. And one thing that I think we're going to get into on later podcasts is the understanding the importance and the significance of adding an extra game into the season. I don't really think it's been talked about as much. And I think there are so many different angles and so many different plays on this now being a 17 game season as opposed to 16 games. So there's a podcast I think we should really dedicate towards the importance of that and how we can take advantage of that in drafts. Because I I definitely, that's something that uh, I have intentionally been incorporating into how I approach uh, drafts thus far this year. You know, this is why we provoke each other, I think. Uh, The opposing views, the contrarian views to, to one another. Yeah. Because I'm, you know, I'm I'm ready to cast aside this guy that I was so high on, but you pulled me back in and you brought in some very good, strong, and valid points that I think uh, right, you know, have right. talked me off the uh, talked me off the ledge. So let's get into the actual show. Uh, you know, Chris is okay. going to hate this. But we're already like 20, 30 minutes in, and we haven't even gone over the uh, main right. <laughs> the main talking it's points. All right. the he enjoys it. It's fun for him, you so, know. So he'll yeah. be all right. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. So. One of the hot and trending topics this week, call it controversial if you will, has been stacks. And right. I've just seen a lot of views and takes on stacks. And so, right, right. you know, it's, first let's define a stack. You know, Dale, how would you right. define stacks? So, so I actually did kind of look this up because I didn't want to just kind of come off the top of the head. So I kind of looked up what, the internet is saying the way you define stacks, right? So, okay, so this is what it. Okay. So, so stacking or a stack 
basically refers to multiple players from the same team. Very okay. basic and simple, right? You know, multiple players, that's two plus, so it could be mm-hmm. two, three, four, five, six, whatever. All yeah, on I think the same you team. agree with that. Okay. Right. And then I also looked at, you know, the benefit of stacking. What people, I mean, what was listed as the reason people would even want to do this strategy in general, right? So here's what it said. Stacking is making use of correlated plays in order to maximize the potential points your fantasy team can score. Right? I love the definition. So it's basically about correlation. You know, it's about correlation, right? So, yeah. Yeah. But I, and, and, so, yeah. The, and the very last point of that, maximizing your team's potential points, I think is key. So mm-hmm. stacking, you know, stacking can, I think, can be used in any format and can be successful in any format, whether it's, you know, your home leagues, you know, redraft, whether it's uh, DFS call. For me, DFS yeah. is kind of what I used, used to implement it the most. You know, so exactly. DFS, whether it's high stake leagues, I think it could be used in mm-hmm. any format, but I think it's very important to understand the definition and to understand what you're trying to achieve and to try and play out the entire season. So for best ball, I think it's pretty straightforward. You stack yeah. a team in hopes that that team outperforms their ADP. So if we look right. at years past, who would have been the team to stack last year, you think? Like the Chiefs, you know, teams with these crazy offenses. No, I mean, for specifically, who would, have been the, who would have been the team to stack last year for 2020? If you had to go back and do it again and you were going to create a oh. stack, you know now, who's the team that you would have stacked for 2020? You're probably looking at what the Bills, you know, yeah. uh, Diggs and Josh Allen, your Kylers mm-hmm. and your D-Hops, um, mm-hmm. you know, those type of players, your Tyree Kills, your Travis Kelsey and your Mahomes type, type of combination. Exactly. So some stacks are easier to come by than others. If you want to try right. and get a Kansas City stack, you know, a Chief stack, you're going to be spending a lot of draft capital, okay? You're going to be missing out on some other players. Right. Getting a bull stack, you know, you mentioned two players, Diggs and Josh Allen. And I don't think you mentioned anyone else. They were going late. Exactly. And that's only two players. Whereas with the Chiefs, we talk, you know, when people talk about stacks, they talk about Mahomes, obviously, and then some combination of Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, or even CEH. So it's important to also understand that, when you stack, you can stack a wide receiver, you can stack a tight end, and probably a less owned stack or a stack that's less popular is a quarterback and a running back. And, and for yeah. obvious reasons, because the quarterback yeah. may take away from the running back. My view right. of stacking is that, you know, if we're looking at high stakes, in most high stake leagues, the last three weeks, excluding the very last week of the season, the last three weeks, again, are what I, we call the money weeks. Those are when your total points are accumulated over a three-week period, okay? So that's when you want your players going off. So certain stacks, to me, make it extremely difficult for you to maximize that value, i.e. having a quarterback and having two wide receivers on that same team or two receiving options on that same team. Now, it's possible that two wide receivers on the same team have three great weeks, but I think it's difficult. So right. the idea of having Kelsey, Mahomes, and Tyreek Hill, yes, sounds great. And if I could start sounds off my great. team, you know, yeah. you're not going to lose a league with that. But 
Wouldn't I rather have De- Devontae Adams, uh, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes? Right. Because that allows me to, to have a situation where Devontae can, has no impact whatsoever on Travis Kelsey, and Travis Kelsey has no impact whatsoever on Devontae Adams. And in essence, I'm maximizing my value. Exactly. So, yes, right, the Chiefs right. can go up any week, and they can score seven touchdowns. Tyreek Hill can score three. Kelsey can score two. You know, CH gets one. Maybe Mahomes runs in a, in a touchdown. Everybody goes off. But then to bank on that three weeks in a row to me is tough. So for right. me, I like to ideally stack with two players, three if I see a situation where it can really pay off and it's and the cost isn't as expensive. Uh, I, me, I'm a I'm a two stack guy. You know, for me. Okay. Honestly, it's really only the quarterback and receiver, receiver one, that I even mm-hmm. care to stack. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like any other player you add, to some extent, you're, you're capping yourself somewhere. Um, because think about it, you're, you're basically saying, if, if you get multiple receivers, and say they do max out, you're basically saying, number one, your quarterback just went off, you know, mm-hmm. through at least four touchdowns. Because for me, if a wide receiver goes off, I was – I would say maybe two touchdowns, you know, one and a half, two touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have two receivers, you're basically saying you want your quarterback to have thrown four touchdowns, and two of those mm-hmm. touchdowns or those four have to have been concentrated. Not even, no, Don't even let me say it like that. Two of those touchdowns have to have gone to each one of those guys because that will allow you to have, you know, where it benefits you where I have two receivers. Exactly. If that's not the case, if that's not the case, it's better to have that one receiver that maybe scored three touchdowns or maybe all four, you know what I'm saying, or, or maximum touchdowns, and have another player somewhere else that happens to do better than that, you know, that that other stacked player, wide receiver two or wide receiver three or tight end. Um, I, I, I mean, I, again, you, you said it. I can see how it can help you win leagues or win games during the league. Um, but when you're talking about those money, you're, you're trying to get the most amount of points from every position. Um And the other point that I want to bring up about stacks is I don't want to pay for expensive stacks. You know, I want the cheap stack. I want the stack that, you know, if you're in a best ball tournament is ideally less owned. Now with the mass entry in best ball tournaments and with uh, how, you know, how large a field that is, it's going to be hard to find a quote unquote unique stack. So right. when you create a stack, to me, I think you want to be simple and you want to have some variance and, and diversify around that stack. And I also like the idea of multiple stacks. And you can do that if you approach stacks that are cheap. You can get right. a San Francisco and a Miami stack. Or you can right. maybe go for a little bit more expensive stack and a lower stack. So uh, there's one stack that I think we have been in love with all offseason. And I think uh, that's one stack that I definitely want to talk about tonight, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are a very affordable stack, but the quarterback position, which is typically centered uh, – let me start that over, sorry. I, like, lost my train of thought real quick. All right. So one stack that I definitely want us to cover tonight and, and want us to talk about are the Seattle Seahawks. This is a team and a stack that I think we have been all over all offseason. Stacks are usually centered around the quarterback position. So you have a quarterback and then you're right. stacking him usually with the wide receiver. It's not, it's usually not the other way around 
uh, and we're usually not revolving a stack around a running back. But right. obviously the quarterback for the Seahawks is Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is a very polarizing player within the fantasy realm. And it may not be necessarily Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson himself, but what we all view is the philosophy the of the Seahawks offense. Exactly. Right. So right. is it a situation where we're going to let Russ cook? Or is it a situation where Pete Carroll is going to dictate that this be a run-based offense? Because we've seen it year after year. Some years he starts off hot and then cools down. Some years he starts off cold and heats up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if he's in a game where he needs to come from behind, typically that's a game where obviously we're going to see some fourth quarter magic. But we don't want to just see fourth right. quarter magic. We want to see that second, third, and fourth. So – my view on Russell Wilson heading into 2021, reading through the tea leaves, understanding the signing at the offensive coordinator position, understanding the drama. Who speak on that? Speak on that. They did bring in the Rams' offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron. You know, correct. So, right, exactly. And he—if you go through his background, uh, it is pretty much an offensive background and. Uh, a lot of work within the passing coordinator positions at various stops along the way. So, I mean, obviously, obviously he's coming from Sean McVay, too. So, you know, when you come from exactly, Sean McVay, exactly. you get that golden touch. So, yeah, at the very least, it's going to be balanced, but definitely not someone who has uh, been brought through or been breaded in a run heavy scheme, you know. Right. So, for me, this, this is, th- these are all positive news. But again, getting back to Russell Wilson. Throughout the offseason, you know, this, you know, at that time was the Russell Wilson saga as far as him giving out different teams that he would like to be traded to. Obviously, he sort of pulled back on that to some degree. I haven't demanded a trade, but if they were going to trade me, these were the teams that I wanted to go to. But obviously, right. the two sides have come together. So for them to bring in this offensive coordinator, for Russell to now obviously be in love with Pete Carroll, and these are guys that, are, you know, we, we assumed at some point they were going to come together. But I think they've come to some agreement. And I think that agreement is that they're going to have some balance. You know, we saw Russell Wilson have times last year. Uh, at, we saw Russell Wilson at times last year have a lot of difficulty reading the field at times or staying in the pocket too long, you know, with, it's only, with the only thought of looking downfield and, and throwing deep routes. And so I think what we've heard is that they want to incorporate that quick, off, that quick spread offense or maybe not necessarily spread offense, right. but quicker pace offense. Get the it's ball a quick, out. A quick decision type offense. Get the ball out. Exactly. Right. Uh, more of a West Coast style offense. So I'm loving that, especially with the weapons that he has in place. Okay. So okay. the main reason I really love this stack, though, and I think this is going to surprise a lot of people, is not because of DK Metcalf. It's not even because of Tyler Lockett. It's because of Gerald Everett. So in an FFPC format, <laughs> a tight end premium uh, format. Uh, I love where Gerald Everett is going. Uh, I love where Russell Wilson is going. You you know who I equate Russell Wilson to this year? I think he's our 2021 version of the 2020 Deshaun Watson. Remember when when DeAndre Hopkins left and we saw Watson's value plummet? Our first thought was, we don't think people understand how bad a man this dude is. Right. Yeah, and our first thought was, we saw, yeah. yeah, and our first thought was this again was a, a situation of addition by subtraction. You're removing right. his 
safety blanket. You're removing his tunnel vision. And now the entire mm-hmm. field is opened up to him. We okay. still had the Wolf yep. They brought in Brandon Cooks. They brought in Randall Cobb. Mm-hmm. We still had Kiki Kuti. And honestly, it really didn't even matter who was on the field. Russell Wilson is a bad. He was playing with Chad Hansen. Exactly. Chad out there with them. Exactly. All exactly. types of just no names. So, yeah. So, I view Russell Wilson very much like that again. That sort of kind of elite quarterback or the guy who can give you elite week-winning ability but is being drafted below that tier, so we're getting him at value. So I love the fact that I can stack him with the Tyler Lockett, who will go anywhere in the late to sixth round, stack him with the Gerald Everett, who goes in double-digit rounds. And then, again, if you want to you know, grab a DK Metcalf, you can definitely uh, do that. But to me, that's an ideal stack. And this is a situation where I don't mind stacking my running back with my quarterback because I think we're getting all of these positions at great value. And I think both right. can succeed at any given week. And we know we saw Chris Carson, Carson also get incorporated into the passing game last year. So that's definitely one of my favorite stats. Right. So, so right now, DK Metcalf is going like in the back end of the second, mm-hmm. the early to mid third. You're getting Carson in the back end of the third, all the way to the back end of the fourth. I don't think I'm going to fall to the fifth yet, but he might have. You get T. Uh, sorry, um, Tyler Lockett. And where are you getting locked in at a six, seven? I don't think he's going no, to maybe the fifth. His his ADP is is risen, I think, over the last few weeks. We're, okay. we're now seeing him go towards so the like mid- the fifth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you're getting locked in the fifth, and you're getting Russ. I mean, you get Russ just depending on how the draft ends up going. You can get Russ anywhere between the sixth and the the ninth. I think I maybe yeah. seen go as far down as the tenth. So, so yeah, yeah, you can definitely. And then every every you can get every in the mid. Double digit rounds, so 12, 13, 14, 15. You know, once you get yeah. that late, people are just kind of picking random tight ends. So um, yeah. you can you can definitely get you know all the pieces of that offense um, and kind of decide um, how you want to stack. Now, again, me personally, I, I wouldn't get a whole bunch of pieces um, all for the same team. Mm-hmm. You said you like Everett with with a rest, which is which is cool. I think you're higher on Everett than I am right now. Yeah. Um, because for me. You know, they still got Will Disley there. I mean, I know he's had injury problems, but there was a time when Will Disley was a bad man. And he, yeah. uh, he, was, uh, he was producing. Yeah. Uh, so but I don't you know, want to just totally write him off. Yeah. And, and I like the continuity. I like the fact that, you know, with uh, Shane Waldron coming in, Jill Everett coming from the Saints. Yeah. In, you know, and right. Pete Carroll uh, commented on that specifically. I hate the fact that that quote came out. Because I think now we're starting to see Everett's ADP rise. So I love the fact, yeah. yeah, I love the fact that I could just snag him very late. Uh, that right, right. No longer going to be the case, but I hope you know news starts to fade and ADP changes. So I think yeah, so I think it's slightly like still under the rug. So I think he's going to be okay. So I don't think he's going to be too yeah. bad. But as far okay. as again, as far as me personally, yeah, I for my stack with the Seahawks, I prefer um, Russ and, and Lockett. You know, okay, uh, I like that one too. I like we, can that say, one. We, we can say DK is the wide receiver one, and he probably is by production as far as what he's done in the last two years. But early in the season, I mean, Lockett was getting, you know, quite a bit of targets. You know, he was honestly operating target-wise like he was the wide receiver one. Yeah. And, um, you know, he I hear, scoring I hear, a fair amount of touchdowns too. Yeah. I hear a lot of people reference how DK fell off or how Tyler Lockett had boom-bust squeaks. And I think a lot of that was just right. based off the byproduct of the offense. It was based off of that offensive right. scheme. And I think a lot of that, again, if you if you 
if you if we go down narrative street, I'm gonna make this a short street. <laughs> if we go down narrative street of what happened with the Seahawks last year, I think they started off the season by letting Russ cook, but I think their defense was not where Pete Carroll wanted it to be for whatever reason. And they, right. the defense was, couldn't keep up with the offense. And as a result, Pete Carroll had to dial back the offense, move to a more run focused ball control offense so that he could get his defense where it needed to be. And then eventually right. that's just, that's what ended up happening. So I think it was more of a situation where Pete Carroll, you know, you know, basically brought the offense, moved the offense away from this, you know, fast pace, downfield, play action pass, and more so towards uh, a, a heavy run offense. And he basically took rust out the kitchen, basically. Exactly, exactly. And as a result, we saw the production for both wide receivers take a hit. But you cannot right. use that same can't use the same uh, thought process going into 2021 because it's a different offense. So right. I think by having this more West Coast offense, by getting the ball a lot quicker, uh, I think what it does is it allows less volatility on a week-to-week basis between okay. both DK Lock, between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So I think I think everyone benefits uh, from this transition. Yeah. I don't. I want to understate that part of the reason their defense improved last year because they made that trade for Quadri Diggs, um, former UT alum like you. Uh, I think <laughs> they got him from, I want to say, what are the Vikings? Maybe it was the Vikings or, or the Lions. Um, but he's a pretty solid safety. And he yeah. was able to kind of team up with Jamal Adams back there. So that definitely kind of helped benefit yeah. the defense. Um So, so and, and, you know, definitely, and you did kind of allude to it last year, Russ was cooking in a lot of games where their defense was just basically just failing the team. So he's mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of similar to kind of like what we were saying with Dak. He's mm-hmm. trying to play that comeback. Go- Matter of fact, one of the games, it was Cowboys versus Seahawks where they both kind yep. of put up crazy stats. So yeah. so definitely I don't want to undermine that. I do believe their defense will be better this year. <laughs> and I'm kind of saying that while Jamal Adams and Diggs, the guy that I just spoke of, actually talking about holdouts. But um, yeah. I do think their defense will be better. But like you said, that offensive – they just brought over um, me and you. They, we definitely expect the offense to function and produce quite a bit better. So, so I definitely yeah, absolutely. So, before we move on to the next topic, is there a stack that you have in mind that you want to share with the audience? Are you still holding that close to the vest? No, no, I don't have to hold it close to the vest at all. No, no, no. And, and you kind of already know who my my favorite stack is. We talk about the guy that I'm trying oh. to get into drafts to specifically draft, and that's okay. my boy AJ Brown. Okay, and okay. The, the quarterback he just is blessed to play with, it literally could have been anybody. You know, as long as they can run a little bit, which yeah, which A.J. Brown's quarterback can do, mm-hmm. um, then he, he's a good option. And then, obviously, you add Julio. I mean, that does nothing but help him out. Even before the uh-huh. trade, remember, I used to, you know, kind of talk to you and say, hey, you know, once that trade goes goes down, or if it goes down, we should check Tannehill's value to kind of shoot up. And I don't think it's yeah. shot up that much in drafts. I don't yeah, even understand why, yeah. but it does vary. It does vary. But for me, I mean, that's my favorite stack, man. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I don't and want I think, to say that you know, all of a sudden I'm not going to be able to get it anymore, but yeah. that's definitely a stack I, I like to target. Yeah, you know, we use that motto, you don't got to get ready if you stay ready, and I think that's a perfectly right. perfect example, that Julio trade where you were very high on A.J. Brown and you just kept, you kept hitting home the fact that if they trade Julio, he may move higher in my rankings. 
but I'm going to love it because right. I think it's his ADP is going to be depressed. And you played that news right. perfectly because you held off on grabbing AJ as much as you wanted to in the early mm-hmm. second, knowing that his ADP would fall. And now you, you know, you've been able to acquire uh, quite a few shares. That's just, you know, again, if you can yes, kind of news, <laughs> the news is going to drop. If you can anticipate the news, you can play it. We saw that with the Saquon right. Barkley, you know, right. we didn't even talk about the video all that what? much, but, as soon as this video drops, I mean, the man looked amazing. Um, from yeah. someone who's come back from two ACL injuries, you can watch his video and then you can watch other players' videos that I don't want to get into necessarily on this podcast just yet. Uh, you can watch other players' ACL return videos and you can just see a huge difference. There's almost right. no hesitation. There's almost no hitch. It's very fluid. And as you brought up before, he's not wearing the brace. Those are things that we love to see. Oh, yeah. No oh, brace. No brace. Just when I saw that, I was like all yeah. in. Exactly. So like we talked about in our earlier podcast, knowing his upside, knowing that he's going yeah. so late in brass right now, get him now. Get him now, okay? Because as soon as he starts participating yep. in in training camp, his ADP is going to go back up to the top three. I just guarantee it. He's going yep. to finish, you know, he's going to finish in the top three, if not top two, and if not right. overall number one in some drafts. Okay. Right. All right. So, yeah. and real quick before we move on, that point yeah. you just making right there, I don't really see anything that can happen that would make his ADP go any lower. Um, yeah. So it's about honestly like right. his floor. Like if you're going to, if you're even considering Barkley, if you're going, you know, multiple entries, this is the time to get him because it's gonna go nowhere but up from here. You know. So. Yeah. Definitely, and yeah. you know that's a special talent. So definitely don't. You know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write that down. We're going to dedicate a pod, a pod to guys whose ADP we will anticipate will, or guys whose ADP we anticipate to rise throughout the off season, and then even maybe vice versa. Guys who we anticipate their ADP will We're drop based off of just news that we can almost. With certainty, more yeah, forecast, and, and that will uh, that will drop at some point uh, throughout the off season. Yeah. So, you know, you yeah. almost had a uh, a Freudian slip earlier when you were mentioning the name, and so we're going to get into this next topic here. And I know it's a guy that you were okay. very high. On. So, okay. the next topic, you know, last last week we talked about Big Ben and whether or not he could support free wide receivers, and obviously there's a lot of change going on in Pittsburgh. There's another team with a similar layout as far as the wide receiving talent. Mm-hmm. And that team is the Cincinnati Bengals. So yep, yep, yep. Give, us your take, give us your view on the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm a big fan. You know, okay. Jamar Chase. I, yeah. I'm a huge fan. Ever since I watched him um, during his last season at LSU, that championship run with Burrow. Uh, okay. Just watch him because, you know, it's crazy because actually went into watching LSU highlights to watch Burrow to kind of see what kind of, you know, quarterback he's been. And I felt like every highlight I was watching actually it was more of a Jamar Chase highlight. And literally from okay. that point on, I was like, this guy right here is somebody I have to definitely keep my eye on. And, you know, obviously he's kind of become what he's become. But anyways, um, they also have T. Higgins, which I'm also very high on. Yep. Which, <laughs> I, I would say I'm higher than most, but – yeah, I would say I'm higher than most, but from the news that I've been seeing lately, it's almost like other people are starting to talk him up a little bit. And, you know, sometimes yeah, they're coming on like, dang, you know, that was my I think guy. You were you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and then they also got Tyler Boyd, which I um I like talent wise. I'm yeah. just not as uh, as high on him as maybe you would are or really the 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 fantasy community or or consensus. So um, yeah. those are the three weapons they have now. Now I do want to mention they have other weapons, but really one yeah. other weapon I think that matters. But, you know, maybe a couple other they have Auden Tate, who is. Yeah. Uh, a player I'm actually a fan of. He has, you know, a wide catch radius. You know, yeah. big body player. Been with them yeah. for about three, four years now. Great kind of worked his way up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, worked his way up a little bit. Got a fair amount of playing time last year. And he he did well. He did really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. He doesn't have draft capital or the investment in him, so they're they're not going to play him over those those top three. Then they still yeah. have the Titans. They have um, C J Azuma. Um, mm-hmm. Who was actually hurt last year, and then they had yep. uh, Drew Sample, who was a rookie yep. last year. I think it was a second round pick, maybe a third round, but I really believe it was a second round pick. Yeah, I wasn't really we, high we, on him, but he. We saw Drew Sample last year. We you don't even have to, let's let's yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I wasn't high on him, but you know, so so that yeah. was cool. But so yeah, so their, their three main targets are, you know, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, and Tyler Boyd in that order for me. You know, okay. so um. Because me personally, I feel like Boyd is gonna kind of lose a little bit of value this year because I feel like Chase is gonna take that possession role from him. Um, like Higgins is still gonna be what he is and maybe even get better. Um, yeah. And you know, there's only one football that can go around, so that's kind of yeah. where I'm at with it. Okay, so you feel like Burrow cannot support all three of these wide receivers? You still you feel like somebody's gonna take it? I do not think he can. I do not. Now, okay. now, now I, I say this always in the beginning of the season, but you know, injuries happen. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so it might work way out, but from day one, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let me start off with Jamar Chase. Uh, I almost don't want to say this because it's being recorded. And the last thing I want is this to be replayed in 2022. And they say, this is the dude that said he didn't like Jamar Chase. <laughs> well, let me get this correct. Okay? Exactly, man. What are you talking about, man? Yeah. Yeah, this it's not that I don't like Jamar Chase. Uh, I'm, I have a different view, uh, from my film study of watching Jamar Chase. Um, okay. I saw him running an offense that literally just where he, you know, he was just basically running wide open. He was oftentimes in single coverage against smaller DBs. Athleticism, yes, off the chart. Catch radius, off the chart. Hands, very good. I don't necessarily know that they're elite. I, I didn't see anything that necessarily made it elite. So for me, it's very tough to say that he's just going to come into the league and dominate. Is he going to come in and, and do very well? I can see that. Is he going to come in and have a Justin Jefferson type year? I think that's tough. And I think that's where he's being drafted now with the thought that he's going to come in and, and produce numbers like Justin Jefferson did. Uh, and Justin Jefferson started off very slowly, like most rookies yeah. did last year. In a, in a COVID, so for Justin Jefferson to produce the numbers that he did, I mean, it's just absolutely mind-boggling. Now, 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 don't forget, don't forget, you know, Jefferson was Chase's teammate I, I know. at LSU, I know. and Chase was the, the number one receiver over Jefferson. Um, I understand. So I understand that. those two direct players. You know, some I don't know. Well, well, so things like that. So so things like that for me are very tough to assess on the next level. Because you being the number one receiver in that offense, to me, does not necessarily mean that your game is going to translate at a higher level than the guy who's the number two receiving option in that offense. From a standpoint, again, you're playing in college. 
Many of these players are just schemed open. They're put in excellent positions to succeed. And I'm not taking anything away from Chase. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He dominated that competition. He took advantage of being, you know, having five to 10 yards of separation. And part of that is him. Okay. Part of that is his speed. Part of that is, you know, you know, to me, his route right. was running good. But I didn't think it was like excellent. I think it was, you know, uh, Devontae Smith I mean, type. But no, so, no, it wasn't bad at all. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just, you know, I just didn't think it was elite. So again, I, how well he's going to translate to the, to uh, the NFL. I think he's going to do great, but is he going to do Jeff, Justin Jefferson type great? Uh, is he going to pay off right. his potential fourth round ADP? That I, that to me is is hard to stomach. And and I think if you want him, that's where you got to get him. Occasionally we see him go in the fifth, but it's that that's tough to me. So I do think that he takes over the AJ Green role, and we saw AJ Green amass over 100 targets. I do fully expect him to do more with those targets have a higher per target fantasy point production than A.J. Green did last year. I don't think it's hard for anyone to really do I mean, that. A.J. Green really didn't produce much. I mean, he was getting a lot of targets. At all. But he was getting a lot of targets. He so really I, wasn't doing much. Yeah, so, so I, I, I basically expect him to take that role. I expect Higgins to pretty much play the same role he played, and I expect Boyd to play the slot. And for me, there's a couple reasons why I'm high on Boyd. The one is the obvious, which is just his ADP. You can get him in the eighth round. It doesn't cost you anything. Right. Two is he is elite in his own right. When it comes to slot right. receivers, go and look at the numbers. Over the last three to four years, he is elite. He is absolutely elite. His athleticism, his size, his route running, what he can do from the slot to me is something that I doubt will just uh, fade away in heading into uh, the 2021 season. The third aspect right. of this is the fact that Joe Burrow, which we haven't really touched on, is coming off a very significant ACL injury. He is still wearing the right. brace. They didn't even want running right. backs lining up in the backfield because they didn't want anybody coming close to that brace. So the idea that right. this Joe Burrow is just going to be, you know, five, seven step dropbacks or rolling out and bootleg, he may get to that point, but I think there's going to be – I think they're going to be very cautious. And I think we need to be cautious. No, I, I agree. It's I agree. Where, where Joe Mixon may be the value out of all of these guys. But I see Boyd in this, you know, in this uh, – you know, during this season being a, a safety blanket and someone who Joe Burrow would be looking to very fast and very often – uh, trying to get the ball out as quick as he can to try and protect that knee. Cause it's going to take him a while. You know, it takes a player a while to get used to that ACL. I think quarterbacks are just different. There's just a certain nuance, certain, you know, when it comes to pocket presence, when it comes to feeling comfortable with your dropbacks, being under center, you know, cause people are just running in and around your leg. Your own linemen are running in and around your leg. And I think it, it takes right. a certain amount of comfort to, to get used to that. So I doubt that he's just going to want right. to be spending. Uh, a large amount of time, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the pocket. The last reason I and think they really don't even have the greatest offensive line either. Just exactly, that's and that's the, and, and that you just that was my next point. Their offensive line. Like, how much time is he really going to have to throw? I do think their offensive right. line improves. We are big on offensive line continuity. So an offensive line can have a poor grade one year, but if they return the same starters, uh, especially if they're young. I think there's a decent chance that we see a, a significant step up. 
Yeah, so because right. uh, more often times than not, there's some draft capital there. So it just take you know sometimes it takes offensive lines a, a little bit of time to gel. It takes players a little bit of time to mature. So they should get better, right. but again, they're not going to be you know uh, they'll still be well below average, I believe. Right. My last point is I think is something that uh, is just going to be related to who they match up against. Jamar Chase is going to see a team's number one cornerback. Okay, right. uh, unless the Patriots, maybe then then you know maybe you know double bracket in the wide receiver two season number one quarter. But for the most part, he's going to see their number right. one quarterback. Right. Pull through. Yeah, tough competition. Exactly. And they're in a tough division. Okay. They play the Browns. They got some nasty DBs. They play the Steelers. Steelers DBs are hurting, but they still have Joe Hayden back there. And they still have, who, who's, right. the other, who's the other guy? Uh, they let go or they haven't re-signed Steven Nelson. And I, and I don't think they're bringing him back. I think they're very high on uh, – I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, but I, I think they're high on uh, the second-year second DB. But so, but either way, uh, Joe Hayden will likely be covering Jamar Chase. Then they also play the Broncos, and we are, or sorry, the uh, the Baltimore Ravens, and we already know what their defensive mm-hmm. back they'll look like. But, I mean, you can go kind of through that. Yeah. So I think he's going to be seeing the, teams, the opposing team's number one DB. I don't think Justin Jefferson was seeing the opposing team's number one defensive back or number one cornerback last year. I think Adam Thielen was seeing that, which almost makes Adam Thielen about his I, I, I think it varied. I think it varied through the season, actually. I think that's because yeah. he started to become a thing. Yeah. yeah, towards the end of the season. So for me, I think, you know, the cornerback schedule for Tyler Boyd, when we look at the slot corners that he's going to be coming up against, I think it's a very favorable schedule. So for me, I, I'm, 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 I'm buying. Uh, and the production, just year in and year out, I think Tyler Boyd is an excellent buy at his eighth round ADP. Rebuttal? Are you on my side now? You like Tyler Boyd? Um, but – so here's the thing, though. Like, right now, okay, we can talk about real-life fantasy. I mean, I'm sorry, real-life football and him being a safety mm-hmm. kid and, you know, how useful he's going to be. But but the question is more so framed in, in the value of fantasy. Um, and in fantasy football, you get your points not only for catching yardage and, and touchdowns. And if I was mm-hmm. to rank those three receivers, I, I truly would rank it with the, the mindset of, I believe, Chase – and Higgins are going to get more yardage and more touchdowns compared to Boyd. Now, definitely, I, I do see Boyd as a a safety blanket, um, kind of like your your Kobe type player, you know, if you will. But when it comes to the money and, and the true fantasy points, I think that's going to be all chasing and Higgins, you know, all day long. So I would yep. still rank Boyd below all three of them. And if they're in the red zone, I mean, yeah, Boyd is great in the short zone, I mean, short area, but who do you think is going to get the the targets in the red zone out of those three? That's one Personally, thing I, I think, I think he definitely excels in. Yeah, I think Chase excels in the red zone. That is yeah. One, so so, so, so when, I, when I'm saying, okay, who do I want or, or – because, because remember, I'm not saying Burrow can't support three receivers just in general. I'm talking about – can Burrow support three fantasy viable receivers? And I don't know. You know, not to mention, Nixon, they're saying they're going to use him in the passing game a fair amount more this season. So that kind of cuts the pie up a little bit more. Again, CJ Uzuma's coming back. We don't know what they're going to do with him. You know, he, 
he was their starting tight end last year, they might like him. We don't know. You know, remember, like we always say, it doesn't matter what we yeah. think, it's what the coaches think. So, so, so is he going to support all three? I don't yeah. think so. And if I was to put my money on, on two of them, I would say it's Chase yeah. and Higgins. So. Yeah. I'll, and, I'll, and I'll leave this discussion at this. Uh, I think before his injury last year, he was on pace to, you know, for 500 passing attempts. So, you, know, you mean Burrow? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is obviously the higher end uh, of the league when it comes to passing attempts. So I don't necessarily see much of that changing from a standpoint of their defense is really not any better. If anything, it may be worse. Uh, yeah. And they play in a very tough division where six games are going to be against playoff teams. You know, they may not right, all right, make right. the playoffs. They have playoff talent on those teams. So they're going to be behind the line. the coaches or anything? Say what? Did they change any of their coaches? Like any the Bengals? coordinators or anything? Yes. No, they're keeping well, the they're same. Pretty much the same, system. same, coach, okay. same Yeah, same offensive coordinator. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in 22, uh, 2022, whether or not that same coach gotcha. staff uh, sticks around. But but all right. So, okay. So you're not a fan of Tyler Boyd. You hate Tyler Boyd. I hate uh, Jamar Chase. No, no man, chill, chill. That's not the case. <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> We're going to edit that from the. Uh, chill, from the no, uh, I did not say okay. that. I did not say that. But, but again, yeah, so. Deo is a fan of the uh, the talent and the potential fantasy production of Jamar Chase and Tyler and and, and, and and T Higgins. He loves where they're going in drafts. Uh, I think I've seen you draft T Higgins far too often for my liking, but that lets me know that that is a player that <laughs> that you have uh, you know placed your stake on, that a player that right. you really believe in. So uh, to me, right. that speaks volumes. So I'll probably get some shares just because of that alone. And for me, Tyler Boyd, uh, especially if I, you know, am drafting a lot of running backs, he's a player that I'm looking for late that can provide me some decent. Uh, let, me ask you, let me ask you this. Yep. Between Tyler Boyd and Jarvis Landry, which way do you lean? Like, I'm going right? Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Boyd. Okay. Two, yeah, two different offenses, I think, with Jarvis. Uh, their numbers may appear the same towards the end of the year, although I doubt it. Uh, my problem with Jarvis is obviously we have OBJ returning. I do think they're opening mm-hmm. up the offense a little bit more, but it is still a very, very much run-based offense. They have a very, very good defense, a ball-controlled uh, offense. So it, sometimes they just don't have to throw. And so guessing those games may be very, very difficult. So you are putting yourself at a, a tough position where you can see uh, Jarvis go, you know, two for ten. And, and, and players like that no avoid. The only reason why I think you should – consider Landry a little bit more is because, uh, well, a few reasons. Number one, you know, the the target competition in Cleveland is a lot less. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Since he does not have tight ends, Cleveland has okay. three tight ends. <laughs> really? You, know, got- you mean uh, Hooper? Well, okay, yeah. Hooper's great. Come yeah. on now. Yeah, you're right. He produced a little bit last year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I did. We've plenty of targets towards the end of last year, and then Joe Cook is a very athletic tight end. You know, tight ends. Yeah, he he can only he's only going to get better, and we start we start to see him on the stretch, and then they have Harrison Bryant. Who knows? So, and we know they run twelve personnel sets, and they pass to their tight ends, especially in the red zone. So, right. Tyler Boyd, for me. Uh, I, uh, I love the trash, the fourth quarter garbage points. So, um, yeah. let's talk a little bit of the Panthers. 
the the Joe the Brady Rams. offense. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Because uh, I got some. I, I'm a fan of some of the players over there. Quite a few actually. But but so okay. we, we wanted to kind of we we wanted to kind of basically talk a little Sam Darnold specifically. Um, okay. The question is, does C Mac, DJ Moore, and Roby do they elevate Darnold's fantasy value, or is Darnold going to actually bring all of their fantasy values down? I think there's no significant change between him and Bridgewater. I understand that just from a talent standpoint, uh, there may be higher Who you upside. Think so you think Darnold's more talented? Maybe. You know, I, the funny thing is I was a Darnold truther when he was coming out of uh, USC. USC, yeah. I, I was a huge yeah. fan of his. Um, I knew he was young and, you know, he was, uh, you know, had a, a, an issue with turnovers. But I, to me, I saw talent there. Uh, he could make all the throws. He was mobile enough. I felt like he moved mm-hmm. well in the pocket, at least in college. Uh, he definitely made a few bonehead throws, uh, some questionable throws, uh, almost Winston uh, style, but I was a huge fan. And then I'm just concerned that Gase broke him. <laughs> I don't know if this is a situation where like with so many former Gase players, they go on to, to, to greatness. Uh, but, you know, if he's going to do it any place, it's going to be here with Brady uh, uh, and, 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 and in this particular offense. So it is a, it is a new fresh start. There is one thing that uh, I think people aren't considering, uh, not to get into controversial topics, although, you know, you hit me up on Twitter if you want to. I'm joking. Don't. Don't don't come at me with controversial topics. Uh, but, yeah, so he didn't want to uh, disclose or acknowledge whether or not he had been vaccinated, okay? One important aspect that I think we are not considering, not just with Sam Darnold, but with a lot of the NFL players, are their vaccination status. Again, not to get into controversial topics for those type of reasons, but I think it is relevant when it comes to relevant when it comes to fantasy. So full disclosure, at the current moment in time, I am not taking into account whether or not a player is vaccinated. There's still plenty of time for them to get vaccinated. But I think it is something that is important to consider. Think back to last year with Cam Newton when he contracted COVID. Not only did he have to miss games, but there was also some talk that when he came back from those missed games, that he just wasn't himself. We've right. also seen with this very same player, Sam Darnold, who developed mono, he struggled. Another type viral illness. Now, I'm not saying there's a correlation there that if he gets COVID, that he's going to have the same issues. Mono is just a different beast. But still, that being said, that, that to me is something to think about when it's your quarterback. So, but let's get back to, you know, again, the main question. He, this is a big question mark because, yes, Sam Darnold could end up being, I don't want to say elite, but well above average, play much better than he did when he was with the Jet, with the Jets and under uh, Gase. My concern with the players in this offense, excluding CMC, he's number one overall pick for me, is that there are a lot of mouths to feed. And I don't necessarily know that we have a quarterback like we did with the Steelers even with a broken down older Ben or with Joe Burrow, someone coming off an ACL, I don't think we have a quarterback that can support this many options. And I do view Christian McCaffrey, unlike many other teams, as a weapon, significant weapon for the passing game. Yeah. Meaning, i.e. 100 plus targets. 
uh, in a yeah. given year. So we have right. him, we have Robbie Anderson, we have DJ Moore. We just have a lot of mouths right. to feed, and we have our player, <laughs> one of my, one, a guy that I think uh, you know we've been uh, collecting in drafts as of late, which is uh, Dan Arnold. So, uh, and then obviously you bringing in the uh, the rookie as well. Can he support all these mouths? I think it's going to be very very tough. So you know, I mean, me, but but the the only rebuttal I would have to that is. Last year, they they kind of had the same amount of mouths to feed. Now, C-Mac did get hurt. C-Mac only played yeah. three games, week one, yeah. week two, and maybe week nine. So, so one yeah. week sometime during the season. Um, but besides C-Mac, they, they had DJ Moore. They had yeah. Roby Anderson, and they had Curtis Samuel. Yeah. They had – I mean, Ian Thomas was – They had no time. They had no time. Yeah, they, they had they no, no time. time. But, but – but, he he was out there. So, so so what this year they kind of lost Curtis Samuel. You know, really didn't bring anybody in. They brought in David Moore, who I don't know. Maybe we're we're kind of ignore him. Um, or I mean, maybe I don't he's not really a thing. I don't want to ignore yeah, him. Yeah, he's there. He's there. But besides that, I mean, you could say they removed Curtis Samuel and they're kind of inserting back in C Mac. The the mouths are not that different. Remember last year was Joe Brady's first season as offensive coordinator, and he was the offensive coordinator at LSU and with the Saints. He, he uh-huh. kind of has experience producing the offense that you can actually, you know, support a lot of mouths, where you kind of spread it around because just, you know, how kind of creative he is with his offense. Me personally, I think the weapons around Darnold are so good that he is actually going to have a pretty okay season this year with the Panthers. I, okay, I now, don't, I, now I kind of think they set him up to, for success a little bit. Okay, now let's not do what everybody does in terms of saying, okay, he's going to have an okay season, okay? Uh, okay. Because that doesn't mean much. You know, that's like saying, okay, he's okay. going to do well. Is he, is he fantasy viable? Are you drafting him? Who, Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold. No, hell no, hell no. <laughs> no. But you just told me he's he going to be have- on that free agent list, ready for the waiver, and it may be. But I'm not drafted. But, but but you gotta understand when I look for quarterbacks, I'm looking for more so Konami codes, okay, or somebody that's so exceptional in the passing game, a la Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, that okay. you know I, I'm going to produce. Because quarterback is just such an important position to hit on in fantasy. Okay. You know, it's one of the highest scoring positions. So, you know, the, the thing about Sam Darnold and the reason why we're even discussing him is even if you don't draft him, I think he's going to be available long enough to where you feel like if you want him, you can grab him. Yeah. You know, even if you want to draft him, you can probably draft him in the last round or two yeah. and, 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 you know, go ahead and secure his – his services. So, so I, I, I'm not going to draft him. He's not my cup of tea, but is he going to do better than probably what people think? I do think so. Is, is the weapons around him going to do well? I do think so. Um, I don't think he's going to be a failure. And, and like you said, he had the talent at USC. He actually was in the running to be the number one pick for a time because that was the Baker Mayfield draft, remember? So they were even talking about maybe the, the Browns drafting Darnold. So we know he has talent. Um, 
Okay, let's put this in context. Okay, so let's put this in context. Again, I think we even skipped over Terrence Marshall, their their rookie wide receiver. Yeah, we did. So, we, did. But, we actually did. You're right. Yeah, but My so fault. he so CMC, DJ Moore, mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson. Okay, I guess we could put Terrence Marshall and many people aren't, but we are including Dan Arnold. He's a guy. So Dan these Arnold. are five guys that are being drafted right now, okay? Right. CMC, I want to ask you if their ADPs are appropriate. CMC, the 1.01. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Next question. Okay. DJ Moore, fourth round. I'm not as big of a DJ Moore fan as others. How many shares of DJ Moore do you have? I have none. Okay. So, so that means if, if DJ Moore fell to the fifth, I, I would take him. Say what? Yeah, if, if, but if, if DJ Moore fell to the fifth, I would take him. Okay. He, I might even consider him in the back end of the fourth, but where he's going, he's just okay. not my cup of tea. So he's not. So he's not producing fourth round value right now. Now, no, both know we're high on Robbie Anderson. Okay, so that's just right. one area of value uh, where you get him in the seventh round, seventh or sometimes even eighth round. He's just excellent value. Yeah. He's getting disrespected, and yeah. maybe it's because of the rookie Terrence Marshall. Uh, who goes in a variety of different places, but usually towards the back end of the Real draft. quick, people, yeah. people must have forgot that Roby Anderson or Robbie Anderson, however you say it, yeah. was with the Jets just two years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He played, he played for two years with the Jets with Darnold, you know, yeah. so they already had their rapport. Yeah. So, fun, I fact, mean, fun fact, guess who the Carolina Panthers play opening day for 2021? Uh, let me think. The Jets. The Jets. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah. You know, I'm good we don't necessarily always believe in revenge narrative. It's different for each player, but you got to assume. Right. Come on. Sam Darnold no, no, and no, Robbie. No, I think he's going to be motivated. Yeah. He's yeah gonna be, they're both going to yeah. be motivated. Yeah. Come on. Matter and you got to get that stack right there. Yeah. They got they got somewhat of a player's coach. So I would anticipate they're drawing up some plays at this very moment to try and get those guys. Uh, the ball. But my whole thing is, again, I think, you know, based off of where a lot of these players are going, you know, their ADPs are already kind of, you know, you, you have a you have one guy who's a value. Terrence Marshall, you know, you know, maybe you take a, a late round flyer on him, but, you know, no one's really anticipating that he's going to provide, you know, stable fantasy production, uh, barring uh, an injury. So we have Robbie Anderson that you're I mean, getting value. He has, he has talent, though. He, he has talent, he has though. talent, but you're not going to be but you're not going to feel comfortable starting him in your lineup. Right. Not yet. Not yet. But he might have that Justin Jefferson type of ascension. Okay. So, so but that's, that's another get, discussion. Exactly. So whether or not he can really elevate the play of these wide receivers, uh, to me, there's a big question mark there. There's a big question mark. Well, there. do you think he's he better won. than, do you think he's better than Bridgewater? Because they had Bridgewater that's last year. Question. That's a tough question. That gets to our Drew Locke discussion, where I think it's very, very similar. I think he's better than Drew Locke. Uh, now, is he a better real-life quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater? I think only time will tell. I don't think we know the answer to that yet. You know, I can say that he's more skilled, but is he a better quarterback? I don't know. Sometimes NFL coaches and OCs want their quarterback to run the plays and sometimes they want them to avoid making major mistakes, i.e. turning the ball over. Right. So if you can't turn the right. ball over, then automatically you are dropping down a significant amount of tears when it comes to actual NFL right. play. So right. can he do that? We're, you know, he's, this is the same guy that said he was seeing ghosts last year. 
So I don't know. Right. <laughs> that was two years yeah. ago, but yeah. Um, um, but I mean, for me, I think he's definitely better than Bridgewater. And, and again, I'm speaking more from the fantasy way, uh, um, kind of view because Bridgewater, yes, he's probably more of a, a, a player that can lead your team, game manager, um, doesn't create a lot of turnovers, you know, drive the ball down the field. Um, but when we're trying to score fantasy points. We're looking for a quarterback that's going to, you know, let it rip. You know, go downfield, you know, um, you know, strong guards, you know, bam, 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 you know, and then score touch, uh, passing touchdown. I don't think Teddy was doing much of that last year. I mean, I, he had a, a good amount of yardage. Um, I know he got hurt one game, but as far as really just kind of letting it rip, he really wasn't doing that. That's kind of part of the reason why they got rid of him, you know? So, yeah. I, I, personally, I, I personally do kind of think Sam Darnold will be fine. I feel like all the options, We'll be yeah. fine. Um, I think it's definitely an upgrade from yeah. the quarterback position. I'm not saying it's a big upgrade, but an upgrade nonetheless. Um, I think we're saying feel good about yeah. all those pieces. Yeah, I, I think we're I think we're saying the same thing. We just have different views on you know from an NFL versus fantasy standpoint. But I think you know fantasy wise, I think we're in the same realm. We both have taken CMC yeah. number one overall. We both love the value of Robbie Anderson. Uh, we both are passing on DJ Moore at his current fourth round ADP, but we'll consider right. him maybe towards the back end of the fourth round. Not necessarily me so much, maybe in the fifth round. Although I will, you know, full disclosure, I, I did pass on him uh, in a recent draft in the fifth round. So where are you draft. taking DJ Moore right now? Like, where, where are you taking? Him right actually, now? no, sorry, sorry. Correction, correction. I was actually getting ready to take DJ Moore at five eleven. Okay. He went five ten. Okay. So, gotcha. um, so I think there mid to late fifth, you take mid to late fifth, and this is after guys. Okay. And again, it, this is all in context, so it depends on who's you know random. So, guys that I like ahead of DJ Moore, I will take Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, uh, Deontay Johnson. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm, no, I would take yeah, DJ Moore over T Higgins. I know, I know you would do that. But if those guys are on the board, I, I think I would take DJ Moore. I'll take DJ Moore over Higgins. I'll take DJ Moore. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that sort of kind of he's at the very bottom of that tier right there. Okay. Uh, so let's go to the next topic. Okay, uh, we got okay. one more topic for tonight. I know this pod's been running a little bit long. Hopefully, you guys have been enjoying it and and uh, it's been entertaining. I promise, very very soon we will get back to our normal right. time and location, set up, our normal yeah. feel and vibe, and we will again have our esteemed and much-needed co-host, Chris Henderson, back hosting the pod so you don't have two random guys rambling long and spending excessive time on damn Sam Darnold and whatnot. All right, so let's get to our last topic of the night. So we have obviously been talking a lot about FFPC, which is a high-stakes format. What many of you may or may not be aware of, it is a tight-end premium format. And so we thought it was very important for us to cover exactly what that meant and discuss our right. approach to how we view tight ends in these particular formats. So, Dale, why don't right. you give us a definition uh, or give us your thoughts uh, on tight end premium? Right, right, right. So, so first of all, you know, we definitely want to kind of explain what exactly tight end premium is. And tight end premium, basically, uh, it means for every, specifically in FFPC, Every catch for a tight end, instead of them getting one point, which is a standard um, reception um, point total, they actually get 1.5 points. 
Um, I play in dynasty leagues where the tight ends actually get two points per reception. Um, and, and really, when you think about tight end premium, that's really all it involves. You know, getting that extra point total for catching passes. Um, it has no bearing on the yardage, has no bearing on touchdowns. Um, it's really only just specifically reception. So when you're looking at the value of it, I mean, a tight end that gets touchdowns in a tight end premium league gets the same amount of points as a tight end that gets touchdowns in a standard league. Um, and then also a tight end that gets yardage in a tight end premium league gets the same amount of points as, as far as a tight end that gets yardage in a standard fantasy league. The only thing that kind of separates the values is a tight end that's getting catches in the premium compared to a standard. So for me, when I value tight ends and tight end premium, really that's the only factor I'm looking at. You know, I'm looking for a tight end that's actually getting probably more targets than the standard or typical tight end because that's actually going to increase his value compared to the other tight ends, you know. As far as how I personally – excuse me, as far as how I personally – tight ends in the tight end premium league, I did do a little bit of research in the past um, as far as, you know, a tight end in a premium league and tight ends in standard leagues and where the separation occurs. And what I've found is it really only benefits the top end tight ends. Uh-huh. The rest of the tight ends, it literally flattens out the value exactly the same way as a standard tight end league. So when I say the top ends, I'm really talking about like the top two or three. So we're talking your Travis Kelsey's, um, last year Darren Wallers, um, even Logan Thomas and TJ Hawkinson last year um, were, were kind of on the, the high end. Um, still, you know, they actually were the same order, so it wasn't really that big of a difference as far as ranking. It's just that the amount of points jumped up like anywhere between – 15 and, and 30 points compared to a tight end premium league. So there is value in it. And for me, because of that specific circumstance, if I'm not going to get one of the top tight ends, and for me this year, that's actually just Kelsey and, and Waller. I'm not, I'm not that big of a, of a Kittle fan. I'm actually starting to come around a little bit on, on pits. And it's funny that we had an episode not too long ago where we kind of, <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't yeah. say we won pits, but we just basically kind of said we weren't really feeling his ADP. I've actually yeah. been getting him a little bit later than his ADP lately, which kind of for me is a value. So I feel like if I'm going to take him, I might take him. I mean, it's better to take yeah. him when he's a value. You got to get some shares. Um, you got to get some shares. Right, right, right. Because, you know, any other time I'm probably not. And they, as you know, I'm a big fan of, of Hawkinson this year. Um, yeah. So those are really the tight ends that I'm really drafting on the high end. If I'm not getting those tight ends, wait. 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 And, and you know me. I, I study tight ends, so I'm looking at all different type of tight ends. Yeah. I mean, I'm going into the deep, deep blue sea. You know, yeah. so the tight end high, high approach tight end premium. Yeah, yeah the I tight mean, end. They're list. out there, right. you know. I'm going to hold you to it uh, towards the end of this uh, last topic and the end of the show. You're going to have to give us at least one tight end sleeper. Uh, I know we don't like the term sleepers and things of that nature, <laughs> okay. but I want you to give the audience at least one tight end they need to be on the lookout for, one draftable tight end. So as far as okay. you know, okay. how I approach the position, it's very similar 
to how you approach it. Uh, I didn't really necessarily do a deep dive into research, but I very much agree that I really care about targets and receptions. That is where you see that huge discrepancy in the tight end premium league versus the non-tight end premium league. And so there are few, right. very few tight ends that we can anticipate or bet on having 100-plus targets in a given year. And if we don't see that or, or if, you know, if I don't anticipate that or I don't feel like a, a tight end can reach that goal, then they're almost an afterthought for me. So right. mm-hmm. we're seeing Kelsey oh. go – as high as a 1.02, typically at the 101. What are you talking about? We've seen him go first before. That's true. That's true. Uh, But typically he falls in at about the, you know, 1.03. 102, 103. Yeah. Yeah. And for a guy who can put up 300 plus fantasy points year in and year out with that level of consistency, not with, without having much change in his offense, if anything, they've lost targets, you know, uh, or, have vacated targets with uh, Sammy Watkins uh, leaving. With an elite level quarterback, an elite level head coach slash OC, there's nothing, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't, I honestly can't argue or fault anybody from literally taking him number one overall in a tight end premium format, given right. the positional scarcity at the tight end position, okay, across That's the board. Right. Scarcity, for exactly. sure. Yeah. So, I love taking Travis Kelsey when I can. Okay. I'm not going to take him above C Mac or Dalvin Cook. Uh, and I think. So you're targeting um, him at 103. Right now. I, I do think that ADP will start to fall, uh, with time. Okay. Uh, so ideally, uh, you know, I'm waiting a little bit, but to get, to make sure I have some shares right now, I, I have taken him a couple times, uh, at the, uh, 103. But okay. what he allows you to do. As far as a team build and roster construction standpoint, you can grab Travis Kelsey and then forget about that position. And rather than wasting some valuable draft capital in the fifth, sixth or fourth rounds, or even in those later rounds where people are just, you know, may not necessarily be paying as attention or, you know, uh, uh, choosing whoever's at the top of the uh, ADP board. Those are important rounds, and those are rounds that I don't want to have to necessarily wait on trying to grab three or four tight ends because I know it's a tight end premium, and I know I need to have at least one tight end that can provide me stable uh, stable uh, production. The other thing he, he offers you is you can play him at the flex position. You know, it's the great thing about yeah. the uh, FFPC is they offer two flex. Mm-hmm. So the- theoretically, you can start three tight ends, but being able yeah. to play him at the flex position and produce – as high and uh, have the upside as someone who you can draft in the top half of the draft. I mean, that just, that can really set your team apart if you can hit elsewhere in the draft. So, uh, right. you know, no secret Travis Kelsey is a, is, is a, is a great pick uh, almost anywhere in the first round. If you want and, to. And, and, and we yeah. kind of had this, a smaller discussion about this in our group chat yeah. uh, a few days ago. Um, when we were talking about specifically Darren Waller. Um, yeah. And I kind of, I kind of made a comment. I actually said I, Darren Waller can give Kelsey a run for his money as far as the number one tight end, you know, in the yeah. season. Um, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I, that's one of those reactions where I expect. I mean, I'm not surprised. Yeah. It was one of those things where you always give a problem before you say it. But, but the reason I said that is last year, I think 
point differential between the two is maybe 20 to 30 points. Okay. Um, so not that much. Um, and again, with tight end payment, what are we concerned about a tight end that, that catches a lot of passes? Waller is or was the target leader for the Raiders last year. I, I don't see their offense changing much. Um, and, you know, he, he's still young. He's still getting better. I mean, he just converted to tight end maybe about three or four years ago. So he's still perfecting his craft position. I, I really is a is a guy um, that we can target, you know? Um, yeah, so I'm sorry. And I don't disagree with you there. I think my premise, uh, or at least what I, I think yeah. what I would argue is that I wouldn't draft Waller ahead of Kelsey. And I don't think that you would do, you know, would, would do that either. But I think you do have no, a no, point. No, 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 Yeah, I think you do have a point uh, that we could see Waller even take a further uh, step forward at that position uh, and dominate even right. more target. Uh, obviously, again, right. news came out and some beat reporter was asked, can he improve? And he said, of course he can improve. Honestly, to me, that is fluff beyond fluff. Like, yeah, but, that, that's but, definitely fluff, yeah. yeah. But but in essence, yes, he could potentially can improve. But, you know, right. TD regression, I think, could hit both of these guys. But one thing that will stay right. uh, stable is likely the targets that they're going to get, and that's really what we care about. Right. No that's TD production. And, and that's kind of why I'm not as high on Kittle. I do feel like he doesn't get the target share the way the other tight ends get. Yeah. Um, you have more mouths to feed even yeah. now. Um, and, and the thing with Kittle, that team is very comfortable leaving Kittle into block. He's one of the, yeah. the better blocking yeah. tight ends yeah. in the league. And they have no problem having him stay in the block yeah. all game long. And Kittle doesn't mind either. So, um, And then also, Mark Andrews, kind of saying – Concern. He doesn't get now. Mark Andrews does get a fair amount of targets. But he doesn't get a high amount of targets. Mark, Mark yeah. Andrews is very efficient. He, he, he does catch the ball a lot. Yeah. He scores these touchdowns. But again, as the far as premium is concerned, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. The pay low low pass volume offense so makes it difficult for him. Right. To right. Right. Low pass. Exactly. Exactly. So for me, I'm not really targeting Mark Andrews. Now, both those tight ends, I, I do understand they're very valuable and, I, and, and they fall apart. Yeah. I'm not targeting them. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. why I'm higher on a Pitts yeah. and a Hawkinson because I do yeah. feel like they are two tight that that yeah. can't have the potential to get a lot yeah. of targets. And and to be practical with this, you know, when we, you know, I don't want to say necessarily giving advice, more so uh, uh, describing how we approach this. And obviously, you can do what you will. There's more than one way uh, to take down and win this tournament, especially when you can start multiple positions uh, at two flex positions, but. Yes, I think, you know, if you can get Kelsey in the first round, ideally, you know, you know, I don't mind starting off a draft with that. I do have a few Waller shares, but I found myself recently really just, you know, uh, bypassing Waller. And ideally what I want to do is I want to find the next Waller. I want to find the next Mark Andrews. I want to oh, yeah. find the next Logan sure. Thomas. So ideally I want to fill out those positions where it's harder to find the diamond in the rough. You know, I want to get my solid production at the running backs. I want to get my stud or, you know, breakout wide receivers that I feel strongly about. Maybe towards the mid to late round, if value falls like a Noah Fant in the seventh, eighth round, uh, that's, you know, maybe when I'll, you know, grab a tight end. So like you mentioned with right. Pitts earlier, you know, if a, if a tight end falls significantly past value 
and you're doing mass entry, it behooves you to probably take advantage of that. And the idea and with the sense that within that player's range of outcomes, they could hit their ceiling. And so you want to capitalize on that at value. So anytime I see value like that, it's completely off of value for the most part. I'll try to I'll try to I'll try to capitalize on that. But yeah, I really want to just look in the later rounds. And that's really where I think we have succeeded in this particular format over the previous year right. that we've been able to find that diamond in the rough. So we're going to talk much more extensively about tight ends in the future and try and really highlight and showcase, uh, you know, three to four tight ends uh, on the upcoming shows, uh, maybe from week to week. That way we can give you guys a, a good perspective on on how we value and and uh, where we're drafting or if we're drafting said tight end. We talked about Kelsey and, and Waller. Those were obvious layups today. But we are going to leave you with, again, Deo's sleeper tight end. Give it to us. Oh man! So I'm not even going to be bashful. I'm not even, I'm not even going to give just one. I'm, I'm going to throw out three names out there. Three um, names? Hold up! Two, wait, wait, three names. I'm, I'm going to throw out three. I'm going to throw out three. Okay. Two of them you could probably say are sleepers. One of them is, yeah. is not a sleeper at all. He, he's definitely okay. being drafted. Um. But these are guys, and honestly, none of these guys are really secret. So you're not even really getting that, you know, that, that secret Deo uh, tight end sleeper that he's trying to keep close to the vest and maybe just tells Abby, you know, because he just he can't hold it in for much longer. But um, so so the first tight end that I do like that I mentioned on the show a little bit, or I've at least just kind of threw his name out there, was Noah Fent. I'm a, I'm I'm a big Noah Fent guy. Um, reason being. Last year, second half of the season, um, while Drew Locke was having all those struggles, he was always trying to make plays downfield, and, you know, he threw interceptions, just made these, these dumb mistakes. I do recall seeing an article where the coaches said they were trying to have Drew Locke focus on more so the intermediate or short-range um, mm-hmm. passing game um, and utilize Fant because, remember, Fant was a first-round pick just two, yeah. three years ago. He, he has the talent, um, he has the speed, you know, he's a receiving tight end. They basically mm-hmm. utilize him more. And, and when he actually started to do that, Noah Fant actually was producing a fair amount in the back end of the season last year. He ended up getting hurt, um, so it was kind of short-lived. Um, but you kind of saw that potential. You know, and, and you know we're always talking about tight ends. Uh, as they get older, they get better at their craft. Um, so that kind of excited me a little bit. Um, and he's still not – he's not being valued as somebody that can have that kind of ceiling. Oh, so that's I will tell you, yeah, I will tell you before you go on to the next one. Uh, he's someone that I think uh, over the recent drafts, I found myself drafting uh, and picking up a few shares because, like you said, uh, I'm starting to see him in the mid to late seventh round. And it's just, it's just too hard a value to pass on at that point for a guy right. who can really uh, provide some significant production. He has a talent right. uh, and uh we we all know that in any given moment we may get that Adam Schefter update that uh, that boy Aaron Rodgers may end up. That's exactly and, what I was gonna say next. Yep, exactly. Okay. Yep. All right. So who's the next? Who's um, the next? One? So that's the first. So so um so that's the no one. These other two guys are guys that I actually tweeted out from our account. Um, okay. So, you know people have saw the tweet. Um, so this yeah. is not news. Um and it's crazy because since I've tweeted it. Both of these names have actually been in the, the news a lot more, um, so it's not even the secrets anymore. 
but I do feel like they're being mentioned for good reason. Uh, one of them is hashtag, hashtag right on cue. <laughs> <laughs> right on cue. Yeah, that, that's yeah, we, had right running there, so. we had this running joke in our in our chat that as soon as we start, you know, discussing or going in depth about a certain player or or uh, anything coach, really, or literally anything, like it. It immediately starts to blow up on Twitter, so we we joke around yeah. that you know our the bug and uh, Twitter yeah. <laughs> somehow getting the hold of our juju we put out there yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So you know, with you go ahead and you go ahead and uh, talk about the tight ends, but that was that was a surreal moment when that happened. <laughs> so so yeah, so you got Tyler Conklin, who's the the tight end for the Vikings. Um, some yep. would consider him the the backup tight end. Me personally, I don't, um, and that kind of goes back to how he played at the end of last year. I was kind of watching when Kyle Rudolph went out, how much they were utilizing him. He actually was getting more targets than Irv Smith, and we haven't even mentioned Irv Smith, but Irv Smith is a starter, and he's the one that people are kind of um, expecting to really make a big jump this year. But again, last year, Conklin was getting a lot more playing time. He was getting targeted a lot. For me personally, I, I tend to like tight ends that are athletic. Um, big is good as well, but also athletic. And Conklin had that profile uh, where it's one of those things where you just get the ball in his hands and he can he can produce. You know, he's not one of those lumbering tight ends where he just catches it and just quickly gets tackled or he, he's just slowly going up the scene. He's actually somebody that can actually um, play, if you will. So, so again, I was kind of high on him last year. Once they got rid of Kyle Rudolph, um, I kind of was – Focusing on him a little bit more, starting hearing, you know, that Sigmund Bloom drum beats type thing, kind of hearing his name, kind of whispered yeah. here and there. I was like, okay. And I know you remember the day in the group chat, I just kind of, the morning I just woke up, I said, you know what, I'm ready. Tyler Conklin <laughs> is my guy, you know what I'm saying? So, so um, yeah, so he's one guy I'm looking at. And then the yeah. other guy is. So um, let me just say some quick things about Tyler Conklin. So, number one, okay. uh, yeah, uh, there's no doubt that you were probably the first person that I ever heard even mention the name Tyler Conklin. Uh, in fact, you didn't even mention his name. You sent me video footage of Tyler Conklin. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? And I guess, you know, maybe it started off with us talking about, you know, okay, who's, our, who's this year breakout tight end? Of course, Irv Smith came up and you were like, nah. It's, and, if, and my initial thought was, okay, maybe, you know, you're bringing up Tyler Conklin as a reason why Irv Smith can't break out. But correct me if I'm wrong, you think Tyler Conklin is actually going to likely produce or can produce more than Irv Smith. Obviously, the better right. value you can get him. I, I really do feel like it's one of those situations where he's not the backup. I, I really do yeah. feel like it's a 1A and 1B. And I'm not yeah. even sure if I want to say he's the 1B. I, 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 there's a chance he could literally be the 1A. Um, okay. He's been with the so team you realize, So you realize that when we make these short clips and we post them, that this is going to get posted. So I want you to repeat no, what you yeah. just said. I want you to repeat no, what you I, just said. I, I feel like there's a chance. Not okay. only is Tyler Conklin most likely part of the 1A1B combination, but he actually might be the 1A, you know? Okay. So, um, I mean, I'm not saying that's with certainty. Yeah. But don't be surprised is all I'm saying. Don't be surprised if that happens. Well, you know, I, I, I just think it's very interesting because basically Tyler Conklin, for the most part, even in these high-stake leagues where we're drafting 20 rounds or 20-plus rounds, he's just oftentimes going undrafted 
uh, in my life. But yeah, I definitely, you know, I like I, I honestly had to give you just tremendous amounts of credit for even bringing him up as early as you did, which I don't know. I think that we looked at the text and that was like back in April or March or something like that. And yeah. then to, but I also got to credit you for at least listening to us and posting it on Twitter, which you finally <laughs> did. And luckily, you beat the. Oh uh, man! Beat the I like to keep like, things close to the vest. Man. I like exist. to keep things. I, I like yeah. to keep things in my folder and walk around on my own. Yeah. So you know. So. That's okay. That's um, okay. That's okay. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. yeah enjoying it. All right, so. Before we uh, end the, the last show, one, the last one. Hold on, hold on. One more, one more. I told him I was getting three of them, so let me give him the third okay. one. Um, so the third one is actually the rookie um, on the Los Angeles Rams, the fourth rounder, Jacob Harris, uh, the rookie out of the University of Central Florida. Um, so with that guy, so I was kind of, I kind of became aware of him during the draft season. Okay, um, and I'm—I mean, I'm not here to take credit at all. I saw somebody else just mention, and you know, in, in draft season, especially when you play dynasty, they literally will mention every player that's probably draft eligible. Yeah. Um, so, so I saw his name, and that made me kind of look into him a little bit. And what I found was, um, number one, initially he was being talked up as a wide receiver. So I wasn't even looking at him as part of a tight end premium. He was just really just one of the receivers, um, the the large quantity of receivers that were in this draft um, that I that I noticed. Um, one of the things that kind of stuck out specifically with him was his size. Massive human being, you know. Um, you're talking Gronk with with a little bit more, you know. Um, and again, he was a receiver at the time. And then I started to hear they were considering maybe converting him to tight end. Kind of like the same thing with her with Chase Claypool last year. Yeah. So I heard yeah. it, but I wasn't like, okay. You know, again, yeah. they said that about Chase Claypool last year, and you saw he stayed as a receiver. So, um, you know, again, I was just kind of just paying attention to him. Now, one thing, and this is a, a, um, a profile or attribute that I didn't really know anything about until this draft season but there's something called the RAS um, score, the relative athletic score or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, if I find out, I'll, I'll, I'll try to have somebody tweet it out the, in the account. Um, but it basically measures, um, I guess, on an even playing field, how athletic all the players are in the draft. Um, and they, they measure by position. And when I was going through my research, with the wide receivers – in the current or the most recent draft, Jacob Harris was the number one ranked athletic receiver in the draft. Uh, I believe number two was Chase uh, or Jamar Chase. Um, and there, you know, some other names kind of right after him. Um, but for this guy to be basically an unknown player and to be ranked number one, I started to say, okay, this guy obviously has raw talent, you know, just, just general, just talent. And, you know, again, one of the things I like to look at in my tight ends, um, I want the big athletic tight ends. Um, and then on top of all of that, you see the Los Angeles Rams, who didn't have a first-round pick. Their first pick was in the second round. They took 2-2 Atwell. Uh, I don't even remember they took in the third round. But in the fourth round, they decided to use a draft pick on Jacob Harris. Kind of raise a, another eyebrow. I'm like, okay. So 
he's been noticed, you know. Um, there's a lot of other receivers in this draft that were talked up that weren't drafted in as high as the fourth round, that weren't even drafted. Um, so that was, to some extent, significant. And then add on top of all of that, you start to see reports of them utilizing him during OTAs. Um, the coach, McVay, actually kind of saying he's like a special project or whatever. Um, so when you hear all of that, like like Sigmund Bloom always says, that's that drum beat you hear. You know, you just you're just kind of seeing this guy. You're, you're kind of seeing the path of this guy yeah. becoming relevant. And, and you know, our motto, you know, we stay ready so we don't have to get ready. He's the type of player that, just like Conklin, you can get at the end of your draft. Um, and you know, certain things fall a certain way. You look up week four, and he's being utilized as one of the top weapons for the Rams, and he has the athletic ability. So once they get the ball in his hands, you know, who knows what can happen. So so that's yeah. definitely another sleeper tie, and I just want you to kind of just kind of keep it in the back of your mind. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you did uh, right there is so important. You took us through the process of how you got from player A to player B. And yeah. one thing that we talk about often in our group is we never want to just say I'm on a certain player or I'm high on a certain player. We really don't want to necessarily just list a bunch of points on why you should draft a certain player. We are very interested in the process. How did you get from point A to point B? And I think it's important, you know, that we oftentimes go through that on this podcast. I think we don't necessarily care so much about the time restraints <laughs> at this stage. We don't worry about, you know, endorsements and having, you know, X period of time, we can really go into deep uh, detail. And right. how you came about on Jacob Harris, I think is, is just so important because, again, when you first brought up the name, the initial inclination and the initial thought is to say, oh, they have Tyler Higby. This is a rookie tight end, completely ignoring it. But going over his athleticism score, Going over the fact that he's a wide receiver and a convert tight end, they lost Gerald Everett. Then you talk about the drum beats with the head coaching staff saying it's he's a special project. And don't minimize the fact that Tyler Higby was not at OTAs because of whatever injury or for whatever reason. That's just right. more maps, more eyes, you know, more experience mm-hmm. that Jacob Harris, you know, uh, gets throughout that period. So. Like you said, you don't necessarily even have to draft him. But as soon as you're aware of a player like that, if Tyler Higby goes down, God forbid, with an injury, you know, we never wish injury on anyone, but if he does go go, goes down with an injury, mm-hmm. you already know and have in the back of your mind, I need to spend a significant amount of fab to try and get Jacob Harris because that is an immediate league winner given right. that he can slot into that role, given his athleticism that he's a wide receiver and they may just use him as a receiving tight end. That's how right. we viewed Logan Thomas last year. Logan, you know, I was actually exactly going to say that's how we did yeah. Logan Thomas last year. Yeah. So it's not like we, you know, yes, we ended up drafting a lot of Logan Thomas. We drafted him very late. We didn't know how he was going to perform, but we were already aware of him. So mm-hmm. we didn't see that week one production as this huge outlier. We didn't see that Ooh, week no. one as a that, that, was, that was confirmation right there. That, basically, yeah, exactly. okay, yeah. that was confirmation. And so what that allowed us to do is not only feel comfortable in terms of adding even more Logan Thomas, that made me feel comfortable in starting him 
week two, week three, week four, week five. Mm-hmm. So I didn't miss out on much production at all with Logan Thomas. In fact, I think I may have right. even started him in a few leagues week one. Because we were comfortable, because we had gone through the process, we understood and were, you know, had taken a deep dive in that particular player, we were already ready. So, right. like we said, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. You don't got to get ready. I said, God, give me a warning. Please take me for the morning. So I leave more disappointments than I ever will appointments. Give a fuck about you.